1: This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for March 30th in the year of our Lord, 2022. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law, the land, the constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced. The checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. What are the great peaceful restorative solutions we still have at our fingertips? As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, lovingliberty.net. Spread the word, tell your neighbors, share the love. Free radio, live and on demand at your fingertips. And by the way, you can download the Android and the iPhone apps absolutely free. Not only check out the live radio around-the-clock offerings we have on uh, LovingLiberty.net, the radio station, if you will, but we've also got a bunch of podcasts that, for a variety of reasons, are not part of our daily radio lineup. What I mean by reasons is I'm not suggesting those hosts aren't good enough. I'm merely telling you that there's different links and podcasts that make it very hard uh, to turn it into daily lineup radio shows. Nevertheless, they're incredible, and they're available now. So not only have you got the live radio station, but you've got a bunch of extra podcasts that are just amazing. And all the radio shows uh, are turned into podcasts after the fact. So, you know, you just got some incredible stuff there. Okay, a quick recap of yesterday's show. We talked about Will Smith's stunned the world when he hit Chris Rock during the Oscars, and that's all everybody's talking about. I personally think Chris Rock, rock should sue will i think will should have been arrested on the spot for the assault but of course we have a double standard in america you and i would be arrested if it was white on black crime it would be a criminal offense for sure but black on black there's just a pass given to certain people in the quote special class yeah um jake paul offers chris and will 15 million each to go ahead and fight what a shame that is and I guess Will Smith finally apologized to Rock. I don't think an apology is enough, personally. You don't just go up and smack somebody like that, especially in a setting where there's supposed to be security, especially on national television. Okay, we need to make an example out of this, ladies and gentlemen, The violence is just not going to be tolerated. Believe it or not, though, the Oscars got some solid TV ratings, they say. Average 13.7 million viewers, they say. And they say the numbers might update because since it was live, the final numbers will be different. The click of the hit, if you will, the clip of the hit, I should say, on Twitter currently has more than 18 million views. It was watched more than the, even the Oscars. All right. The question becomes, did Will hit Chris intentionally for ratings and to promote both their careers? Hard to for say for sure. But I look at that, and I say, now Chris Rock, for his comedian tour, ticket sales skyrocketed. And after the hit, believe it or not, on the Oscars, people started tuning in. They say they got a bump at the end of the night. Well, I'm sure they did. But see, this just goes to the point that I was making. What a shame it is, ladies and gentlemen. We need to reject this violence in all forms. White on black crime, black on white crime, black on black crime. You know, jettison the race discussion. Violence is unacceptable. Now, I get self-defense, but Chris didn't fight back. All right. There you have it. Anyway, I believe it was an intentional agenda-driven, kind of like a uh, wardrobe malfunction, like a Janet Jackson scenario uh, or an American Idol scenario. They're doing it to increase ratings, ladies and gentlemen. That's just my opinion to which I'm entitled. Call it a conspiracy theory. Call it what you like. All right. Enough of that. That was hour one. Hour two, we had an incredible hour simulcast with a sheriff, Mac Show, on TV. And I interviewed a wonderful gentleman by the name of Ken Silva. He's a national security correspondent with the Epoch Times. Or Epoch Times. <clears throat> and it turns out that there's a glimpse of the FBI right-wing infiltration agenda. Yeah. The government's involved in, in my opinion, nefarious activity, to say the least. Ken reports that the FBI incited groups to violence. A whistleblower, familiar with the operation, came forward and swore out an affidavit and then had to go into hiding for their safety. I guess from the FBI and the CIA. Believe it or not, there's a tie to the Oklahoma City bombing on all this. There's an attorney by the name of Jesse Trenadue. Kenneth Trenadue died in a jail. And Jesse believes it was related to the Oklahoma City bombing. They lied about the death of Ken. Jesse's been digging into it ever since. So Utah attorney Jesse Trenadus, he has a 2006 FOIA lawsuit against the FBI and the CIA regarding the Oklahoma City bombing records. And believe it or not, it's still, believe it or not, an open matter. Having been sealed... And sadly, litigated behind closed doors for the most part. It's been going on since 2015. So Jesse's been at it since like the 90s. Okay, but all these different things have starting points. He sued over the FOIA stuff in 2006. In 2015, it's been going on. And it turns out now there's witness tampering allegations related to the FBI and the CIA. All right. This case is truly unprecedented. It's rare for these cases to ever even go to trial, and even more rare to have serious whistle blowers come to the table and testify and literally wish. Uh, I'm sorry, witness tampering, according to Digital Watch senior investigator Sean Denovan. He says, "Hey, you know what? This is just so rare. We never see this, but the government's out of control." Trinidad's records now from the FOIA request, et cetera, literally describe and document an FBI program known as Patriot Conspiracy or PATCON. It's a secret government operation to infiltrate what they call, quote, right-wing and domestic extremist groups and to incite them to violence, ladies and gentlemen. Imagine this from your government. We've told you this was going on. Believe it or not, Pat has received little media attention except for one intrepid reporter, the late Will Gregg. Other journalists have attempted to cover it, only to run into censorship issues. The government shutting them down. The corporate shut them down. The mainstream media shut down on given reporters that try to speak on this. Now, Will Gregg used to be uh, syndicated by me and my radio networks. Well, now Ken calls Will Grigg, the late Will Grigg, a hero, and he says he's carrying on the reporting in Will's stead. What an incredible legacy to Will Grigg, a true intrepid reporter. He was also the chief senior editor for a news service I owned called Liberty News Daily. We lost funding for that, so we couldn't continue. But I'm telling you, Will Grigg was the real deal, baby, and a dear friend of mine. Anyway, Trinity says the FBI's real objective in the quote pat con program was to infiltrate and then to incite these fringe groups to violence what would the government be encouraging folks for violence for because that's what your government does that's why wow all right second guest we had on patricia graham a local journalist from texas and an american patriot patricia is writing book reviews on sheriff richard max books one review per month on each of sheriff max books She's getting incredible feedback from the community. Uh, She started with um, the proper role of law enforcement, and now she's working on Are You a David? And that's going to take her several uh, installments of her column. But she's going to do every book written by the good sheriff. It's going to be incredible. Ladies and gentlemen, is there a link between violence on TV and this Pat Con agenda from the government? I think there is. Anyway, archives. Of the second hour audio available at liberty roundtable.com and loving liberty.net and video available at bridey check it out incredible stuff and we are on loving liberty radio networks we're on liberty news radio networks we're on several am and fm radio stations around the country uh, we're also on bridey radio and bridey tv more and more outlets are carrying liberty roundtable live why because there's no talk show on the radio like it that's why now News the Networks Refuse to Use starts right now with today's news. So I did a broadcast, ladies and gentlemen, and I did a broadcast with Dr. Scott Bradley, and we talked about sovereignty. And we talked about, in my opinion, the reason for bringing it up is this idea that Americans believe that they can be a sovereign citizen. And um, I'm just telling you that sovereign citizens have these strange ideas where they believe they can just extract themselves from America, and they can do whatever they want to do. For example, I don't need a driver's license. I don't drive. I just travel. Go look at the law. I have a God-given right to travel. Or they come back and say, look, there's fringe on the flag. you got to reject the fringe. Whenever there's fringe, you know it's the corporate law. i got to reject the fringe, chastise the judge, tell him there's no jurisdiction over me, and set the stage for a common law court. Or they say, you know what, I've got to go ahead and do a grand jury. We're going to do a citizen's grand jury. And this citizen's grand jury is going to indict. We're going to do all these things. And I'm not going to pay the IRS because, man, I looked at the law and it doesn't apply to me. And you know what, there's a lot of truth in everything they say. But there's also a lot of deception in what they say. So my main point to bring that up was to say, look, folks, when you look at the Declaration of Independence and it says government drives its just power. From the consent of the governed. Right, I want you to know that that doesn't mean you have individual consent that you can just withdraw anytime you want to. It isn't the way it works. And so my main point was to try to keep quote these sovereign citizens out of trouble. Well, in the process of me trying to make this point, a listener emailed me and said, "Sam, regarding your sovereign citizen oxymoron, I'll tell you the details in seconds on
2: your radio."
1: All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. So I did an incredible uh, discussion with Dr. Scott Bradley about sovereign citizens. We literally highlighted that, you know what, you cannot just opt out of the system and do whatever you want. You've got to be very careful to understand authority. What's happening to Americans is they're getting in trouble over these issues where they mean well. Uh, They start, um, you know, filing all kinds of uh, paper requests via FOIA requests and uh, grandma requests is what they're called and all these different things. Pretty soon they're dubbed a paper terrorist. Or they, it goes up. They don't pay their taxes. They lose their house. They lose everything. And they mean well, but they're getting in trouble. And my goal was to say, hey, you know what, guys, you got to be very careful here. Um, you don't just have the right to just extract yourself from anything you want to. But anyway, so then I got an email from a listener that said, hey, Sam, regarding your sovereign citizen oxymoron. Good morning, Sam. I listened to your program with Scott Bradley. Well, you missed the mark, Sam. Your title itself is a cause of confusion to me. A sovereign is a supreme authority. A citizen, according to Webster's dictionary, is a, you know, naturalized born citizen or what that's really a subject and is entitled to protection from its government. How can you be a supreme authority and a subject at the same time, Sam? You had a golden opportunity to educate and enlighten Your audience about our most organic identity and role. But instead, you allowed yourself to focus on the current, quote, bastardized use of the word sovereign. Instead of educating your audience on our most unique and powerful status and position as legally recognized sovereign, quote, owners of our constitutional republic, By way of comparison, the current medical debacle should serve as an example to make the point. The current medical establishment brazenly hijacked and assumed authority over a centuries-old profession. Their visibility and title and then has the audacity to call those who adhere to these time-honored traditions as alternative. Similarly... Your acknowledgement of the current, quote, misuse does the same thing, legitimizing and giving credibility to those who have myopic and self-serving views instead of correcting and educating on the unique and powerful role that sovereign owners should and could play in our constitutional republic, both past and present. I heartily encourage you to revisit this topic and to focus on the rich heritage, history, and role, and the responsibilities of sovereigns. It could actually be a topic for multiple broadcasts since it's the core tenant of our principles, ideals, responsibilities, and privileges. I am available to opera perspective if you desire Keep up the good work. You are a valuable asset, one that is necessary if we hope to restore our country. Um, I didn't quote it exactly, uh, but as close as I could in the interest to- of time. Now, I reached out and said, hey, I disagree. I disagree. I mean, I know what the point is, but I understand the context in which I delivered the remarks with Dr. Scott Bradley, which is, look, you're going to get in trouble, folks, if you keep this sovereignty road up government's going to get out of control. And if we're not very careful under this name of sovereignty or sovereign citizen, you're going to do nothing but cause trouble. Why don't we work together for real solutions was the main point. Now, uh, I reached out and said, I disagree. And they wrote back and said, hey, Sam, you know what? This is worthy of a discussion. I said, let's talk about it. Let's have the discussion. Let's dig in a little bit because I don't know that it's a matter of being right or wrong as much as it's really a discussion about what your focus is what is your intent for the discussion so gerard cote is with me he has a website called sovereign hope.org welcome to liberty roundtable live sir
4: good morning sam how are you
1: i'm doing very well my friend how are you doing well
4: also.
1: all right before we get started catch people up a little bit about who you are so so people kind of know who for a reference point uh, tell us who you are
4: I am a baby boomer, um, Vietnam War combat veteran, a small business service, owner. Sir. Thank you. Thank you for acknowledging that. Uh, small business owner, and uh, a person who feels that this nation has been led astray through technological distraction. And so I created the Sovereign Hope website. Actually, this is my second go around in creating an educational website to try to create context and grounding around uh, principles, ideas, and current traditions. So my focus has has been to try to get people to understand that we do have a very proud and unique lineage in this country. And as part of that lineage, we need to understand core principles. and. So when I heard uh, listened to uh, your show on Monday, I, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. What I was writing to you about is that there's a whole other side to being a sovereign and to try. So to let me say let me say it bring... differently and
1: see if I capture this. You're saying that there's a deeper okay. subject that needs to be addressed. Yes. And I agree. Couldn't agree yes. more yes. with that. I yes. disagree, yes. though, with the saying that, hey, I I um. I missed the mark because maybe I didn't dig in deep enough to discuss the term sovereign, the contradiction between the words sovereign and citizen uh, in the first place. I think that's a fair point. However, understand what my intention was, and that's right now to keep patriots out of trouble because not only is the sovereign term being bastardized and manipulated and wrongfully used, but they're using it to lead people into trouble. Uh, And this is in reference to this PatCon program that I've talked about uh, after that, which is this Patriot Conspiracy program by your government. It's Operation Get Get Good Honest People Into Trouble plan is what it really has turned into. And so my goal was to make comments about sovereignty and sovereign citizen in the reference point that, hey, folks, you're going to get in trouble and you can't just do whatever you want to uh, was the main point. Um, first off, do you agree with that general point? And then we can get into the deeper discussion that is well-deserved, as you rightly point out, sir.
4: Um I, I do, and can I add a point of clarification because I think this is where we get muddled, okay, sure, so please, in your in your statement you just made, you talk about our government. And see, I I believe our government is, a, a, I don't want to say a misuse, but it's it's overly broad. So what in truth in fact, is going on here is that the political parties that basically, have taken over control of our government, are creating these programs or these distractions or these uh, uh, incursions, if you will, into our freedoms and uh, trying to elicit people to do uh, nefarious things. So, it, it the government is the structure. There are people that occupy the government that will make that structure either work or not work. And right now, I heartily agree with you, Sheriff Mack, several other people, that we are on the wrong track because we have lost our moral compass and our moral direction. And those people are now occupying the government. And so, so it it gives the government a bad name. And we, we, it's really, it's a dichotomy. We want to look to government as a source of leadership, yet we don't trust the government. So what we, what I'd like to do is take the government and put it into a neutral category and look at who's occupying or controlling it and let them bear the burden of that responsibility. All right, that so sense?
1: let's dig in because I think you're absolutely right. And let's be very clear. Oftentimes I talk about what the term called the proper role of government. And when the government obeys its proper role, when it's replete with its checks and balances, uh, when it obeys its contract, the Constitution at the general level and the state Constitution at the state level, when it obeys the contract, When it carries out its delegated authority properly, then it's the proper rule of government. And I applaud that government. That's why I always push back when they tell people that I'm anti-government because they absolutely lie. I believe governments are instituted among men to bless our lives, to protect life, liberty, and property, and to allow us to remain uh, free agents unto ourselves. And as we're self-governed, the need for government is very, very tiny. A moral, a religious people doesn't need a whole lot of government. The Tocqueville highlighted this reality that America's great because America's good. If America ceased to be good, America will cease to be great. This idea that, hey, it's the people that are moral. You know, look, Americans could do anything back in De Tocqueville's day, um, but they didn't. They didn't choose to do bad things, and therefore everything worked swimmingly. Everything was wonderful uh, in terms of America. Was it perfect? No. Was it an incredible example as a light on a hill that I talk about oftentimes? Absolutely. And so I bring that up to say that when we talk about the government, we're really talking about rogue agents in government or government that has been run off the rails and abuses its authority and power. Some would call it overreach. Some would call it deep state. There's a gazillion names for it, but the point remains the same. Gerard Cote with me, ladies and gentlemen. His website, SovereignHope.org. Exposing
0: Corruption. Informing citizens. Pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with
5: Lance Pride. The Food and Drug Administration authorized a second booster dose of either Pfizer-BioNTech or Moderna COVID-19 vaccines.
2: Uh, The CDC and the FDA are now uh, allowing uh, and will make available uh, booster shots, a fourth shot. For uh, people over 50, for the and for the immunocompromised, uh, this is uh, we have plenty of supply um, to ensure that those populations can receive these shots.
5: White House spokesperson Kate Benningfield, NASA astronaut Mark VandeHei, and two Russian cosmonauts returned to Earth from the International Space Station aboard a Russian Soyuz spacecraft that touched down in Kazakhstan on Wednesday morning. The return concludes VandeHei's NASA record-breaking. 355 consecutive days in space. NASCAR Racing is in Richmond, Virginia this weekend.
6: Thanks for listening. We are USA Radio News. If your family depends on your income and something happened to you, what would happen to them? You need life insurance, and SelectQuote can help you get it at a price you can afford.
5: SelectQuote found Jacob, 40, who's in excellent health, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $19 a
6: month. Not in perfect health? Don't worry.
5: Select quote found Tanya, 40, who has type 2 diabetes, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $32 a month.
6: We shop companies like Protective, Prudential, American General, and others to find you the company with the best rates. Give your family the security they need at a price you can afford. For your free quote, call 1-800-272-1955. That's 1-800-272-1955. Or go to SelectQuote.com. That's 1-800-272-1955. Select Quote. We shop, you save.
5: Get full details on the example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. After years of trying over numerous administrations, President Biden locked down the historic legislation Tuesday in the Rose Garden at the White House. Lynching is now a federal hate crime. President Biden signed the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act into law. He noted prior to the legislation's passing, there were hundreds of attempts to outlaw lynching.
1: It was over 100 years ago, in 1900, North Carolina Representative George Henry White, the son of a slave, the only black lawmaker in Congress at the time, who first introduced legislation to make lynching a federal crime.
5: The measure is named for the 14-year-old black boy who was abducted, tortured, and killed in 1955, after he was accused of whistling at and accosting a white woman while visiting relatives in Mississippi. That woman, Carolyn Bryant, told a historian 50 years later that Till never touched her. For USA Radio News, I'm Kenneth Burns in New York. The final four men's basketball tournament takes place in New Orleans, Louisiana, on Saturday. USA Radio News.
1: My guest, riding shotgun on the broadcast today, Gerard Cote, he created a website called SovereignHope.org to help people understand the value of, uh, to increase understanding of this incredible word, sovereignty, sovereign, what it means, the incredible heritage tied to it, who we are, how it relates to our proper role of limited government today, and a whole lot more. We're digging in. Because Gerard's saying, Sam, you didn't dig in and really give people the goods like you should have on this thing. And I think he's right. I really do. Um, I had a point to make before. Uh, but digging into this word, to this understanding, because it's more than just a word, folks. Word means things. Words mean things, no doubt about it. But the understanding of something oftentimes even transcends the language that we use. And so we're going to try to paint a picture to help you understand the real majesty uh, of these things. Um, but Gerard, so I was saying that, uh, you know, I, I, over the years, I've been on the radio 25 plus years, uh, and I'm telling you, I have painstakingly done my best to teach about God, family, and country, to teach that we don't look to government to, for solutions. We, we look to God Almighty, uh, that we, the people, have tremendous authority and power under God, God-given inalienable rights. And I've painstakingly tried to highlight the proper role of government, versus rogue agents in government that have run it off the rails, whether it be considered a shadow government, a deep state, whatever it be. And you're right when you say that these parties are not government. They're private entities and that people who have allegiance to parties above their oaths of office, for instance, uh, certainly are the ones to blame for the bastardizing of the sovereignty term uh, and the proper rule of limited government where we the people – Uh, are in charge. And and so I've done my very best over the years to kind of quantify that. And part of the problem when someone's on the radio, and they make a statement, if it's if you just can't cover the whole waterfront, it reminds me a little bit of what my English teacher taught me, you know, hey, how long should my paper be teacher? Well, it should be like a woman's skirt long enough to cover the subject short enough to keep it interesting. When you kind of look at that, oftentimes it's easy to take one's statements and, and, and pretty soon they're out of context and it's like, hey, Sam, you didn't do a good job covering this thing. Um, I get it, and I completely agree with your point. So getting to that, you had right before the break, you had kind of said, hey, um, you know what? These parties, these people who don't have allegiance to the proper rule of government, who don't understand these terms, who maybe have ulterior motives and other agendas, they're the ones running it off the rails. So let's treat government uh, virtually neutral for a second and talk about it gerard
4: okay uh, what i like to do when i give my little discussions my little talks is i like to ground uh things so to ground ourselves in sovereignty we have to look back to uh call it a pedigree or an origin where does our sovereignty come from is it legal is it is there a legal precedence for it and there is Our sovereignty is is grounded in the organic document of the Treaty of Paris in 1783. The king basically turned all right, title, and interest over to the citizens through the states uh, of this country, of the colonies. A very clean delineation of authority transfer because uh, England was a recognized sovereign nation. So the king transferring that right to the, the then colonists gave them that right. So so when we talk about sovereignty, and I totally agree with you, we have to look at the pecking order. We are all subject to the divine law, to God. And as such, we have privileges and responsibilities that come along with that. Well, that was a huge gift and privilege that they were given, and they foundered in their acceptance of the responsibility. From 1783 to 1787, those four years— were a tumultuous time in American history. Um, they reveled over the fact that they were free, but the, free to do what? They were lost. And so the, the Constitutional Convention was a, a, a real pivotal point in our formation history. And it was an 11th hour Hail, Hail Mary kind of a thing. I mean, we almost didn't get it done. And then after that, it, the, uh, the tumultuous times that, that carried on And that was all grounded in the problem we have today. The founders uh, basically recognized that the government they set up was extremely unique in that it would be indirect and that it would basically reference the Constitution and that they um, did not need political parties to do that. They set it up to where the people had indirect but constant control. And if you think about it, it was it was genius. And what the follow what the founders did is they followed uh, followed an old biblical principle of leader follower. They recognized that successful societies up until that point in their research were based on the leader follower principle, and that was all indirect representation, which is where they came up with the idea. And they didn't need any additional layers in there. Washington's farewell address talked about this. He highlighted it in several places. We don't need the political parties. Yet the habitual pattern that people were conditioned into was to have that. I went back and researched the original uh, congressional record and looked. I mean, I got these voluminous books that I took out of a, a research section of a library. These were huge. I felt like a little six-year-old with these monster books. And I went through the pages there was no party affiliation from 1789, the first elections up until 1832. And in 1832, they, start, they appeared again. So we literally went one generation and that was the period when the founders were still in visible control. And when they started to retire and die off, then it went back to the status quo. So we, we've kind of lost our understanding of our rights and responsibilities. And And I want to say just one more thing about that. the genius that they set up was that we only had to elect one person. We elected our local representatives and by local, I mean our um, federal representative it, the um, The states appointed the senators and there became the Congress. So the states were represented actively and the people were represented actively in the Congress and the president was chosen by the electoral college. So the people were free of a lot of encumbrances, but they just had to respectfully watch and and maintain control. That was their sovereign right and duty. And that's been, again, manipulated and and through the years specifically by the two major political parties. And I go right at it. And my website, I, I don't hold back. I talk about that. We need to identify the elephant in the room. And we also have to understand human nature. Human nature is such that we, we like to congregate. We are um, a social animal. We like groupings, um, whether it's allegiance to a, a sports team or to a, a church membership, or um, we, we have so many ways that we like to group ourselves because we find comfort in numbers. And yet, how did the founders understand so well that what they set up could be grouped as well as individual. It's almost, That in itself is almost an oxymoron. Does that make sense?
1: It makes absolute sense. I agree with your general premise that, you know what, this biblical doctrine leader follower, whether you are a leader or a follower, you are a sovereign owner who has the right, the authority to make decisions, decisions that include managing and controlling your county, state and, quote, Federal, I would call them general, as the Founding Fathers did. I don't like the federal national terms, nevertheless. Um, but I agree that you have control of that. Um, where I disagree slightly is that, look, before this you know, Treaty of Paris that you mentioned, uh, Adam, if you believe in the Bible, was the first man on earth, and he had sovereignty under God with or without any treaty. Uh, and so I realize that the treaty did codify this in modern times. There's no question about it. But the Constitution doesn't grant us any God-given inalienable rights. It merely acknowledges them. And so does that treaty uh, acknowledge and transfer uh, stolen power back to those who rightfully own it power uh, under God. So I I agree with the premise. Um, The history I want to provide a little bit of clarification on because with or without any government, with or without any treaty, uh, with or without it, we have this God-given inalienable rights of self-defense of agency to choose as we think best, uh, etc. cetera. Um, these are God-given rights. They're not granted privileges. Government might take them away and steal them wrongfully, but they were merely restored to the rightful owners and acknowledged that reality uh, by this treaty uh, and, and by uh, nowadays the Constitution, etc. So it becomes a very complicated discussion uh, when we discuss sovereignty, but in that we have this heritage, under God and rights given to us by God and responsibilities to God in relation to those rights is no doubt sovereignty one oh one and factual for sure.
4: Yes, absolutely true.
1: And the
4: to to piggyback off that so that that's our glorious founding period. That's that is a, a clear delineation and a uniqueness that the uh owner See, I don't use the word citizen. I like to use the word owners because we really are.
1: Yeah, we're going to come like back and talk about again. that too, ladies and gentlemen, with Gerard Cote. Uh, sovereignhope.org is his website. You can check that out. When we get back, though, there is a little bit of an uh, a r- irony here. Sovereign citizen, what's the heck? That's the contradiction in terms extraordinary, is it not?
7: just like a credit card, or I can ask them to drop it right into mommy and daddy's bank account, because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org.
2: Have you ever heard of Loving Liberty Ladies? Well, the Loving Liberty Ladies are here to help you learn our American heritage and the way it affects today's society. The Loving Liberty Ladies also have a discussion guide called Proclaim Liberty. And with this guide, you can start your own group in your hometown. Get yours today on our website at lovingliberty.net. Look for our lesson supplements, too. They're free. To hear all the special offers and to join the fight for freedom and liberty, please go to LovingLiberty.net.
7: The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues of the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of Cowboy Spirit Today and gift ideas like this year's Buckaroo Calendar. Order online From rangemagazine.com, Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com.
8: I want to dedicate this song to Mr.
1: Rupert Murdoch. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Gerard Cote with me. Sovereignhope.org we're talking about. How can a person be a, quote, supreme authority? a sovereign and a subject at the same time, right? Before the pause, you were kind of highlighting this dichotomy. You don't like to use the word citizen. You prefer the word owner to denote and to highlight this reality check of, hey, you're not a serf. You're not a slave. Uh, you're you're not a subject. And that's really the point, right?
4: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, thank you for, for bringing us back to that because it's a critical point um, to where, look at a human being a human being is a physiological entity with an, a soul imbued energy a god-given energy the breath of life as we call it so how can and literally how can from a from evolved? a
1: from a godly heritage point literally the offspring of god according to the bible a son and or daughter of god almighty the ultimate sovereign yeah go ahead sir yes. i don't mean to interrupt exactly. i want to just highlight that no, no. heritage though that's no, critical no, great I love it. I love it It,
4: because once we understand our uniqueness in that vein, we can see the dichotomy that the founders struggled with to create a nation that would serve them well in perpetuity. So when we look at our fallibility and our um, uh, moment, momentariness, uh, I mean, we are literally like a puff of smoke, as, as it's been outlined in the Bible. We we are here for just a nanosecond. Yeah, it's and our mortal state con- where
1: we lack vision and lack understanding and lack a true uh, relationship to our God because of our mortal mm-hmm. um, shortcomings, right? Our our
4: intellectual egoic state—that's exactly right—and that's what I call it. Our intellectual egoic state is 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 not in conflict, not necessarily in conflict, but can be opposed to our spiritualness and our spiritual nature. And balance is the key to all of existence in our uh, uh, earthly life. When we are in balance, whether it's physiological balance, um, uh, alkaline balance, uh, emotional balance, spiritual balance, when we find our, our balance and our center in those, we reach a state of what we call homeostasis, which is another way of balance. That's a physiological reference to balance. And when we get out of that balance, when we get overly intellectual, then we, we lose our ground. We, we lose our grounding, I guess is the word I want. And when we get ungrounded, we will then become susceptible to all that's going on. So to get back to the country, the founders' vision was to create this um, limited three-branch uh, government and leave the, the, uh, the people in as the ultimate authority, as the sovereign controllers and owners of that. And that really got changed um, in the these, uh, 1860s with President Lincoln. And when you when say got created, changed,
1: let's be very clear. It got perverted.
4: Perverted, yes. Thank right. you very and much. I, and I
1: really mean that on purpose because that's what's taking us away from this fundamental understanding, which which you're really trying to restore or bring back to our hearts and minds and souls, this understanding of who we are and what the purpose of government is. That ran off the rails uh, in Lincoln's time. Go ahead, sir.
4: Yes, um, and he did that with his his version, which, which he knew was wrong in his heart when a person reads his notes. He, he knew that deep in his heart what he was doing was wrong, but he felt it was a necessity because of the times. <clears throat> and I don't disagree with that. Um, it was a it was an insane time in our country's history. And, and what he did was um, essentially made himself a king by creating uh, the executive order where, by the stroke of a pen, he created law, completely bypassing the Congress. Well, that should have been an anomaly. That should have been for that war period and afterwards, it should have been done away with. But the political parties, and here we get back to the political parties, saw that as a way to do an end run and, and uh, get iron control, iron-fisted control over the government and the country. And they've been doing it ever since. And, and then after the Civil War, with the huge can immigration. really quick, when you say they've Europe, been
1: doing it ever since, we're talking about both sides of the aisle, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Right?
4: Yes. Go ahead. So thank you. Thank you. No, you're exactly right. They they essentially created a pact. Obviously, it's not something written down, and they're not hanging it in um, in the Library of Congress for everybody to see. This is all closed doors kind of stuff. They, they created a pact where they would just basically create this supposed or feigned opposition to each other, but they would constantly and from then on exclude any other uh, input into government. So that's why all these Various different parties, libertarian, all the different parties that have tried to show up. Even if the debates, I mean, they were openly not allowed. I mean, how could that be in a country where we have these freedoms? Well, it's because we don't have those freedoms anymore. And, and we that's mean, why the like founders
1: to... warned against these, partis, these parties and said they would eventually be the undoing of the country. Right.
4: Exactly. If, if we brought them back. Exactly right. And, and what happened was, and this is, here's where human nature shows up again uh human nature is is such where we are creatures of our habits so with this huge immigration that showed up in the uh, 1880s uh people brought their habits with them from the countries they came from um, and the european countries were heavily controlled by monarchs or uh, a, a very closed societies, uh, sometimes even to the level of a caste system to where you just didn't rise out of your level. And when they when they encountered the uh, robber barons and the magnates of the time, the Rockefellers and the Mellons and uh, the Carnegies who took advantage of them. Their solution in their mind was to create bigger and stronger government, because that's what they saw where, where they had come from and no one was teaching them that when you show up here you all of a sudden have the ability and the right to declare what you want but if you don't know what you want what would you declare so they were co-opted not not only a
1: right but a duty sir
4: a duty exactly thank you thank you that is so important to understand because with all these privileges come duties and that was completely missed and so we took a bad situation that happened in the Civil War, it turned it even worse into, uh, that was a we call the populist revolt period, where the people of these countries uh, that were a huge amount of the population at the time, uh, sided with the political parties that, which were just gaining their strength. And that, the result of that was all of the 1913 of uh, the, the amendments and laws There was a whole host of things that happened behind the scenes. It's all
1: under the idea, never let a good crisis go to waste, right? Exactly, exactly.
4: And the, the populist revolt actually had a lot more impact on the nation than we give it credit for. When I talk to people about the populist revolt, they go, what? What's that? Well, it's because there was no war attached to it, but it was profound because statesmen were voted out. The senators were changed. The states now uh, lost their ability to be in Congress. And I write about that on one of my papers. I call it, the paper is titled, Stop Calling It a Federal Government. We don't have a federal government. We have a national government. The federal government ceased to exist in 1913 um, when that amendment was passed because the states lost their ability to be represented openly in the Congress.
1: And what you really have is you have... What you really have is you have a, a rejection of the moral understanding of who we are. We are sovereigns under God. God delegated sovereignty to each of us and said, you know what? You have agency. You have sovereignty. If you keep my commandments, you will retain that authority. If you don't, you will lose that authority. And what we did is we jettisoned the moral high ground, this fundamental understanding of for the sake of popularity, for the sake of a class system, for the sake of—and the natural man has tendencies to do that—we um, did that virtually wholesale. So when you say it was a revolt, it was an—it was a revolt against morality, a revolt against God, a revolt against our sovereignty. Because you know what? Most people want a king. They want others to make decisions for them. Uh, they don't really understand the fundamental. Look, with these God-given rights, with this incredible sovereignty, with this power and majesty, comes tremendous responsibility and decision-making. And most aren't up for the task, sir.
4: You're right. And See, now here we go back to the leader-follower. I have three filters that I recommend people use in their daily life. The first filter is faith or fear. When you take in information, are you filtering it from a place of faith and a belief and a, and a higher power and that you have a role in that? Or are you filtering it through the fear of the intellect, the egoic mind? The second is the leader-follower. And the third is generational. Everything happens within generations. And each generation has unique experiences. And that distills out to, hopefully, some good uh, from their time and existence here. So now let's talk about the leader-follower for just a second. and i highlight that on, on the website there's no um hierarchy a leader is not better than a follower because leaders wouldn't exist without followers and followers need leadership and the unique thing about followers are they will never grow into being leaders it's uh, it, call it a genetic trait call it a, a soul imbued uh, acceptance of a, of a place in life we need uh, followers to do the leader's bidding and when when followers don't have good moral leadership, and that is a critical statement. It's not just leadership. It's good moral leadership. When followers don't have good moral leadership, they will start to agitate. They will become uncomfortable. They will disorganize. They will grumble because all they want is to feel like they're being cared for, and they they sense when they're being abused. But they don't stand up for themselves. That's what the leadership is supposed to do. And we have, I contend, we have a complete lack of moral leadership in this country today, and we've had it for several uh, decades. There's no, doubt, there's
1: no doubt a dearth in moral leadership is epic today, uh, is ubiquitous or pervasive. It's everywhere. Uh, and sadly, ladies and gentlemen, that's why American history is so unique that so many real honorable leaders— George Washington being prince among them, who said, look, I'm not seeking for power and authority. I'm going to reject power and authority. I'm going to reject being a king. No, I'm not going to be your president in perpetuity or forever. I'm going to step down. I'm going to walk home and be a farmer. Thank you very much. This kind of humble leadership is rare indeed, one in a billion kind of stuff, ladies and gentlemen, and we don't have it today, and that's part of the tragedy of the loss of sovereignty that we see in America. Ladies and gentlemen, we're about out of time this hour, but we're talking to Jerome, I'm sorry, to Gerard Cote, and his website is sovereignhope.org. And he basically said, Sam, you got to do this topic of sovereignty justice. Uh, He understands the points before, but he also really wanted me to highlight this and say, you know what, we've got to dig in. We've got to give people the real perspective on this. Ladies and gentlemen, how can a person be a supreme authority? In other words, a sovereign and a subject or a citizen at the same time? The answer is it's impossible. It's an oxymoron. You can't. However, there are realities that we can understand, whether you're a leader or a follower. You are a sovereign owner who has responsibility for decisions, ladies and gentlemen, and that is what we'll talk about next hour. We're going to continue this discussion in detail and let Gerard just rock and roll on this because it is a critical topic. It's a heritage understanding. Okay, we cannot live up to our blessings unless we understand our heritage and our obligations. Are you, are, are you up for it, ladies and gentlemen? God save the republic.
0: Casting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk, radio Show. Talk Show.
1: All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that which refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast for March 30th in the year of our Lord, 2022. This is our two of two, ladies and gentlemen. Our guest, Gerard Cote. He has a website called SovereignHope.org. That's SovereignHope.org. And really, we're having a two-hour. Mr. Cote joins Sam for a two-hour special interview. Why? because the topic is so important to understand. Email, he sent me, Sam, regarding your sovereign citizen oxymoron. I agree, the term citizen is a subject. The term sovereign is an owner, to use his words. Look, how can a person be a supreme authority and a subject at the same time? The answer is, um, it's impossible if you take each word to its uh, extreme conclusion. But understand that in a way, I hope to be a citizen in God's kingdom. And uh, God has given me a measure of sovereignty. The only ultimate real sovereign is God Almighty. But he has vested sovereignty in each of his children. And he has done so with love and confidence in each of us. He's given us this incredible eternal principle called agency to choose for ourselves as we will. Uh, and with that sovereignty, that agency, um, then we we either uh, keep that agency, keep that sovereignty, keep that authority by obedience to eternal principles and to the commandments of God Almighty, or we start to lose that sovereignty as we turn away from our responsibilities. You see, we lose blessings. We start to diminish the gift, if you will. Uh, with that Gerard Cote with me ladies and gentlemen and I want to talk a little bit about this citizen oxymoron how do how are we citizens and sovereigns at the same time I submit to you that bastier's the law is an incredible book that kind of highlights this and the the summation is that you know what in order to maximize liberty you've got to give up a little bit of liberty you've got to turn over some authority if you will delegated to um well, you don't want to just sit on your porch with your gun all day to protect your rights. So you delegate a little bit of that authority to others, and in the process, you maximize your real agency and your liberty and your freedom. Uh, and, and Bastier's The Law kind of highlights this. How much do I give up this justifiable for a greater cause, the sacred cause of real, true freedom and liberty, versus when am I giving up too much, and I'm starting to now go the other direction, and lose freedom, lose liberty? Bastier, the law, highlights this reality check perfectly, and I submit to you that's the difference in uh, sovereignty uh, versus citizenship. We can have both, just as we can give up a little bit of liberty but retain or maximize freedom in doing so. We can be citizens of the proper role of government. We can be sovereign under God Almighty, uh, and we can do so and maximize freedom in the process. That would be my answer uh, to that fundamental question that you ask. Um, Gerard, because I think that's really important to understand. Your thoughts first.
4: I concur uh, and would like to add my perspective. And my perspective is that only happens when we trust, trust God, trust ourselves, trust our ownership, trust our responsibilities, trust our ability to be aware. And, uh, it's been said and quoted by, by many leaders, uh, political, social, that uh, a nation is only as good as its current uh, generations, because if one generation does not understand or adhere or is, becomes aware of their predicament, what they pass on is um, that lack of awareness. And that's exactly where we are in our country today. I'm a baby boomer. Uh, Baby boomers ushered in a very unique period in world history. Uh, The United States being a technological leader, uh, we fostered a technological revolution that started in the 60s that was this electronics that we are now completely immersed in. We passed on a daily lifestyle which was very, very destructive. We became... Uh, The United States, let let me back up here a second, Um, taking my long view, which I like to do, because when I take a long view, I can put things in much better perspective, so I will offer that uh, this morning. In our long view, uh, the United States up until the 60s was a nation of people grouping together to solve problems, create a lifestyle, create a protection, create a peace, create a sense of value. In the 60s, that changed. The United States effectively became a business. And I'm not talking about the corporation stuff and how it was changed that way. I'm talking about the mentality of the country. The leadership all basically switched gears. The political parties really ratcheted up um, and focused on business. Why did all the, the, we were a huge industrial manufacturing complex. Why did that leave the country? Because of tax laws because we made it better for business. So we shifted, as far as our perspective, of a nation of people to becoming a nation of business. And we all then became cogs in a wheel. And if you don't measure up or or provide some kind of tangible uh, ability for the revenue in the bottom line, you're cast aside. So we've abandoned uh, the value of the country. And that has taken us sorely out of balance. We are now wholly out of balance. And, and, and by the way, when you say the value
1: of, of our country, really it's that light on a hill that I speak of so often that you're referring to.
4: Yes, exactly right. The value, the value is our moral value, uh, the agency you speak of. We, uh, this is an amazing thing to think about. There's almost 8 billion people on the planet right now, about 360 million in the United States. That's 360 unique soul entities. Unique soul agencies, all here for a specific purpose. I have people ask me all the time, well, what's our purpose here? It's a very simple answer. We are all here to be of service. How we choose to be of service is part of our uniqueness, part of our soul identity, part of our gifts and our skills and our talents. And if we would all go inside and, and just lean toward the things that interest us, we will all find that we will create this most beautiful mosaic of energies that will go toward the common good and our moral compass and our soul growth. And because we're so mesmerized by this technical revolution, this technicalness that's happened, we have become so egoically driven and so distracted that we have basically abandoned that uh that most profound reason for being
1: here. And, and what Gerard's talking about, ladies and gentlemen, is these fundamental truths, these self-evident truths that our founders understood. They were entrepreneurs. They believed in self-determination. They took agency uh, as a sacred God-given responsibility with blessings to result if responsibility was used wisely and the lack thereof, if not. Ladies and gentlemen, look, this two-hour extended interview uh, is because the topic is so sacred, so fundamental to our liberty. That's why we're talking about it in such detail. And I know it's a lot of philosophical discussions, but we do want to talk about this sovereignty in a, in a way that helps you understand it's not just fundamental or philosophical. Okay, yes, it is for the understanding. you got to understand the principle of who we are. And what our relationship to our maker is. And what our relationship to government is there too. we gotta, we got to fundamentally lay that down. We've done that last hour. We've kind of articulated that a little bit this hour uh, as well. You know what? you got to be a leader or a follower. Every one of us is a leader in some ways. And a follower in other ways as God intended. Uh, a lot of times you see that in a marriage. You know what? They know when to lead and when to follow. So they have a great marriage. Um, But you are a sovereign owner. You have the right, the authority to make decisions. You have the appropriate expectation that government is here to serve you. And it's up to us, we the people, with our obligations, with our fundamental responsibilities to ensure that government does what we expect it to do. In other words, we created a contract with government. It is up to us, the sovereigns, to make sure that government honors that contract. And when they don't, we need to create accountability. And we basically ignored that for so long They've now built these protections around them, a.k.a. parties, a.k.a. the deep state, a.k.a. friends in power, etc., to insulate themselves from this. And we've allowed it to happen to where now we've got these secret combinations above us. I don't seek for power. I seek to pull it down, ladies and gentlemen. And this is the kind of thing that we need to understand. Our sovereignty by nature assures that we, if we understand it, Take that responsibility seriously. The founder said, you have a republic if you can keep it. And they're referring to this, ladies and gentlemen. What if the current caretakers of the greatest experiment in human collaboration ever actualized in human history? What if we took it seriously? What if we understood who we were? You know, there's a, a country song by Kane Brown that says, what if? He's talking to a girl, and she's scared to date him because she's thinking it's going to go off the rails and melt down. And he says, no, what if I was made for you and you were made for me? Uh, What if we were to be together forever and it was just incredibly grand? Don't lose that opportunity. And so I, in like mind, say, what if we the people understood our godly heritage? What if we understood who we were, our relationship to God, to our country, and most importantly, to each other? as we learn to serve and be served. We learn to give gifts and receive gifts appropriately. Uh, What if that were to happen? What would the fundamental translation to solutions be? We'll talk about it with Gerard Cote in seconds. His website, sovereignhope.org. This is a battle, a battle between truth and
9: deceit, a battle between forces that would enslave this country in darkness and between a media that wants to present you with the truth. We are being censored. America's news outlets no longer provide the truth. Ninety percent of news outlets in the United States are controlled by six corporations. The mission of the Epic Times is to chase the truth, to ground all statements in fact
0: Read it. Know it. Share it. Freedomfactor.org.
8: Why don't we say to the government, writ large, that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better having a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency.
1: Gerard Cote with me, ladies and gentlemen. We're discussing in this incredible two-hour interview the importance of, the understanding of, from a fundamental principle point of view. And then bringing it to solutions and how it relates to you on the ground. It's one thing to talk about something in a philosophical idea. It's another to learn how to use it in meaningful ways for solutions. Mr. Cote's website, SovereignHope.org. So we kind of had this great question before us. What if we understood our godly heritage? What if we understood the relationship between us and our God and us and the proper role of constitutional government gerard
4: yeah that's a huge question and it is the most critical aspect of this we can discuss this uh ad infinitum without coming to a place of where the rubber meets the road as ross pearl used to say so in my mind what we need to do is to to go to the fundamentals And I'd I'd like to preface that by saying I'm going to introduce a phrase, and I'm sure you're aware of it, and many of your listeners are as well. It's called cognitive dissonance. And cognitive dissonance is that place where when something happens, our mind, we see it, we hear it, but our mind cannot wrap itself around it. It can't really grasp what's going on. It's like way too big for our mind to grasp it. So what it does is it just basically puts it aside just ignores it. And one of the the, the the biggest cognitive dissonance issues we have is government. Because at our core, we truly want to believe that when we elect people, that they will do our bidding, that they have our best uh, interest at heart. And the sad thing is they don't. They have their own interests at heart. So, While we elect them, we, on the other hand, don't believe that they're going to do what they say. These polls that talk about trust in government show that we're at an all-time low. We have such uh, rampant cognitive dissonance right now. It's mind-boggling, and it creates a sense of hopelessness that I am trying to counteract. So where does the rubber meet the road? In my mind, it starts at the the smallest legal recognized subdivision in our country, and that's the county. And in the county, the supreme law of the county is the sheriff, your good friend, my good friend, uh, Richard Mack talks about this constantly. We need to get back to where we essentially have our effect. If we look at the country as a map of 3,300 counties, not exactly the right number, but it's very close, 3,300 counties, then we have 3,300 areas that we could all directly participate in, our county government, our school boards, all of these things that we have direct and immediate control over. And I contend that we can take back this country, one county and one sheriff at a time. We need our sheriffs to be constitutional. They need to understand that they are the supreme authority in the land. That, that they are not out, out uh, uh, gunned, if you will. And that's the wrong word. I don't want to use the word guns. Um, they are not out legally. It's really, a, it's really a
1: discussion of jurisdictional authority, sir.
4: That's it. Thank you. That's exactly it. Thank you. Uh, the, the sheriff is the supreme authority. The FBI, CIA, they have no authority in the state. In fact, I contend that the district, and we all should know this, but I'm going to refresh a little bit, The District of Columbia is not part of the United States of America, and it was set up that way on purpose. In fact, I have an an article on my website called Should D.C. Be a State? Well, the founders
6: absolutely
1: not even maybe
4: clearly. Not even me. Exactly. They completely set it up to be completely unique and separate for a reason. It was where they could go have a neutral place to do their business. It, so the only authority that the federal government has, or the current national government, is within the District of Columbia. They have no authority out in the states. zero. The president has no authority over citizens in the state. The president's
1: now, position now I'm going to make a slight correction yeah. to this. They, they have no authority okay. over the citizens in the, in the separate 50 republics. I concur with that. However, they yeah. do have authority over the things that we've delegated to them in the Constitution. Uh, protecting our borders, uh, making sure that honest money is respected. Uh, There are a few things that the government does have authority over, but it's not over the people. You're fundamentally right. I want to make that very clear, though, because the Constitution is the contract and enumerates the list, the very limited list of things that the federal government even has authority over. It's certainly not we the people, but it is certain jurisdictional details outlined in the contract. Those are enumerated, folks. And so let's be clear. There is authority. We agreed as several. Let me give you an example. If I have a driver's license in, in, in Utah, the fact that I can drive in Iowa or New York is what I'm talking about. There is uh, a unifying general government place, although incredibly limited. Anyway, I don't, I don't mean to, uh, to go off on a tangent, but I do want to make sure people understand that reality is sovereigns we have said so by the contract we have by our consent delegated that limited scope authority to the general government go ahead sir
4: okay you know exactly right and what people really need to understand is what is their role and i think that's what we're getting to with the solution segment here what is our role and where can we participate because most people when they wake up every morning they want the same things as their great-grandparents and uh, their uh, relatives' relations that go back thousands of years. They want to be able to get up, feel that they are in a, uh, at peace, they have the opportunity to succeed and thrive, and that they can trust their neighbors. They can trust the society they're born into. And that fundamental trust has been eroded, and I contend that it comes down to one very simple thing. We are not enforcing, we are not causing the people that take oaths to abide by them. You can have thousands, hundreds of thousands of laws on the book, which they virtually do today. And because there is no enforcement of basic oaths, they're meaningless. So without basic enforcement and adherence to oaths, we create a society of chaos and crisis, which is exactly where we are right now. So my solution to this is to get people to understand they have the power to force their elected representatives to honor their oaths. And and one of the first things we need to do is we need to take back control. The states need to take back control of their legitimate voice in the Congress, which is their senators. Right now, the political parties have no allegiance to the states. There is no contractual obligation between the political senators and the states they, they purportedly represent. There, there's no connection whatsoever. So the states are completely unrepresentative in the national government right now. And that's yeah, the privacy. 17th the Amendment
1: uh, destroying the checks and balances is one of the reasons that that's a reality check right now, folks. He's right about this, and what they've done over time is intentionally dismantled the checks and balances, the brilliance of the republic, if you will.
4: Exactly. It was so simple. And in, in the, in the, under the guise of convenience, that's probably the best way to say it. Under the guise of convenience, the political parties have usurped control of the government and our, by, by extension of our country. And they keep telling us, oh, it's too complicated. Oh, you don't understand it. And what they've really done is they've created a situation where uh, they have literally fleeced this country and taken away its hope and hopes and dreams. And if you look around right now, the, this uh, this faux crisis that we we just are coming out of, we'll, we'll never really come out of it, uh, this COVID faux crisis, is another example of what you were saying earlier, never let a good crisis go to waste, of creating an imaginary energy and subjugating people. I call it a worldwide deprivation experiment. I identified that in one of my papers in Right in, uh, I think in May of 2020, we were like two months into it. And I immediately recognized we were all being forced to participate in a worldwide deprivation experiment. And what's a deprivation experiment? It's when you take something away from someone that's critical to their, to, in their their mind. To their well-being, to their, to
1: their sovereignty, sir.
4: Well, in this case, uh, although that that went much deeper, um, it, it did go to sovereignty, but it really went to well-being and just... Basic freedoms—the freedom to to uh, to assemble, the freedom to uh, voice their opinions. I mean, this this deprivation experiment was so profound, and it saddened me to see how people just rolled over and and let it happen. Now, a few stood up, but a majority of people just rolled over, and it was an indication to me of how we've lost our moral compass, how we've we don't have good leadership. Because again, when a majority of the the country, the world, is followers. If they don't have good moral leadership, then they are going to be lost. They will, uh, at their core, know that there's something wrong. They won't be able to identify it, but they, they'll know something's wrong. And that's where all the grumbling has come, come about. We have got to start at a basic level and start to take back control.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Gerard Cote with me. We're talking about this incredible topic The topic of sovereignty is so sacred and so core to our liberty and to the proper role of government. You've got to understand it. You've got to embrace it. And this will be the solutions to restore the greatest country on earth.
0: Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride.
5: Germany triggered an emergency plan to manage gas supplies in Europe's largest economy, an unprecedented move that could see the government ration power if there's a disruption or halting gas supplies from Russia. Russia's defense ministry said Tuesday it would drastically scale back military operations near the Ukrainian capital Kiev in order to increase mutual trust for a potential peace deal. Ukrainian President Zelensky said all Russian forces must leave before a final peace deal can be reached. Zelensky spoke with the Danish parliament.
7: The
0: people who make decisions in Russia think their actions will go unpunished. They think they will be able to avoid sanctions. The embargo on Russian oil, they think it won't last, that it's just talk. Everyone is expressing their concerns, but an international tribunal, the Russians know that will take years to bring perpetrators to
5: account.
6: USA Radio News. Have you or someone you know used heartburn medications Zantac or ranitidine and been diagnosed with cancer? Zantac and ranitidine have been positively linked to cancer. According to the FDA, Zantac and ranitidine contain NDMA, a known cancer-causing agent. NDMA has been positively linked to cancers of the bladder, pancreas, esophagus, liver, and stomach. Even in single doses and in smaller doses over time, NDMA is one of the strongest proven cancer-causing agents. Call 888-960-1233 or go to ZantacMoney.com. You may be entitled to substantial compensation without going to court if you or a loved one have taken these products in the past 10 years and been diagnosed with cancer. Call now to see if you qualify for free. Call 888-960-1233 or visit ZantacMoney.com to get what may be owed to you. You may be entitled to a cash reward. Find out now at ZantacMoney.com or call 888-960-1233 to see if you qualify for free.
5: The Food and Drug Administration authorized Americans 50 and older can now get a second COVID-19 booster if it's been at least four months since your last vaccination. Florida and many other states have had enough of the Fed's COVID restrictions and are going to court.
4: Florida is leading a 20-state lawsuit against the White House to try to end a federal mask mandate for public transportation. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says these policies have inconsistent logic. If you have somebody sitting in the window seat and they're nibbling on peanuts for two and a half hours, they can have their mask down. You have the
7: person in the middle seat uh, that is not eating. If they just wanted to read a magazine without the mask, then somehow that would be a big problem.
4: DeSantis adds that the mask mandate is contributing to the growing number of unruly passengers that have put pressure on transportation employees. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg.
5: USA Radio News.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we're discussing the sacred core topic of sovereignty with Gerard Cote, sovereignhope.org, his website. And before the pause, um, Gerard was talking about the great deprivation experiment. And at the bottom of the hour, you even heard them say, look, people are freaking out. They're sick of masks. They can't take it anymore. Deprivation of oxygen, of free association. I could go on and on and on, but if you're eating peanuts really slowly, you can keep your mask off on a plane, but if you're reading a magazine, oh, no, 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 don't you dare do that kind of a thing. This is psychotic, ladies and gentlemen, but this great deprivation experiment caused by COVID and eventually will dovetail into climate change uh, is really fundamentally changing uh, the people into a slave mentality, Gerard.
4: Absolutely true and the insidiousness of their actions are um actually pretty uh it's well planned out i I, i'm not going to say it's good it's not a wonderful thing but it's very well planned out they understand that if they just keep uh, pressuring 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 they'll wear people down and what we've got to do is regroup at our basic level so that's where i started talking in, in the last segment about um where do we start well We are most cohesive at where we live. So our county is our first legal uh, subdivision that where we actually can group or have visibility. That's the best way to say it. Yeah, it's the county on the day-to-day
1: governing level, but it's the precinct at the voting level.
4: Well, well, within the county, the, 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 uh, the population is subjugated by, yes, different districts but the first real legal subdivision from a, a country standpoint from an overall uh, standpoint, a federal standpoint would be the county. So if we re- regain control at the county level, then the counties could get together. And this is why I talk about, we do it one county at a time. If we regain control of our counties, made the people within our counties accountable to their oaths. And then we collectively got all of the counties within a state, it would be very easy at that point for all the states to then take back control of the federal government. But we have to start somewhere that's, that's rational and understandable. You've heard the saying, you don't take anything with you, it, basically talking about uh, worldly goods and possessions,
1: right? Yeah, when you die, you can't take anything with you but your knowledge and your uh, life well lived.
4: Well, and see, that's a, we're on the exact same track. I tell people, yes, you do take something with you. You take your soul growth with you. We are, we are all here to grow from a soul level, and that would be to learn how to love and honor God and each other. We do take that with us. And while we're in this state of chaos and crisis, we've completely ignored that aspect of our lives. And that shows up in our daily walk. It shows up in our health. When we are out of intellectual spiritual balance, our bodies will get out of physiological balance. This huge rampant increase in cancers are all caused by this stress where the intellectual mind has taken over, where the spiritual uh, energy that's within us is not calming or soothing us anymore. Why? Because we're ignoring it. We choose not to hear it, that still small voice inside us, which is trying to calm us and lead us toward our moral destinations. We are ignoring that. We were being distracted by all this technology and technology is a good thing. There's nothing wrong with it in balance. It has to be balanced out. So how do we do that on a daily basis? We have to get control. We have to recognize that we are sovereign owners, that we do have a responsibility, that there are certain gifts attached to it and benefits, but there's also a huge amount of responsibility.
1: And to bring it back to my uh, point with Dr. Scott Bradley, ladies and gentlemen, it is a violation of your sovereignty to act in a selfish, individualistic way that is at the expense of the rest of your brothers and sisters uh, here on the earth or especially in the United States of America uh, because you betray your fundamental responsibility. You want to cop out. It's kind of like all these... um, uh, Actors and actresses and professional people, and they're like, oh, man, if Donald Trump becomes president, I'm going to leave the country. Okay, that's going to help. Um, we need to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that we have to have trust in God. We have to have trust in ourselves, and we have to have some degree of trust in one another, Gerard.
4: Absolutely. And see, here we get back to the leader-follower. If we recognize, I use loosely 10% leader, 90% followers, an arbitrary number, but it 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 speaks to the fact that uh, the leadership role is a um, designated uh, unique position, and follower role is designated. And again, one has no um, authority over the other. One is not better than the other. But when we recognize that uh, most of the people in the world, since the beginning of time, have been followers. It really then becomes incumbent on nurturing and creating leadership, and not only leadership, but moral leadership. And what we're lacking right now at a county level, at a state level, at a national level, because I refuse to call what we have a federal government. It's a national government run, completely run and owned and controlled by the two major political parties. When we get to the place where we have a moral leadership, the people suffer. So lives suffer, quality of life suffers, trust suffers. All of the things that we're experiencing and witnessing right now are all because of this lack of moral leadership. So from the ground up, the solution is from the ground up, we need to start at the county level, develop good, strong moral leadership. The counties then need to get together at a state level, develop good, strong moral leadership, and then take the best of that leadership and submit it to a national level and recreate the federal system that we used to have. We can take this back, and we have to do it resolutely and steadfastly to counter the resolute steadfastness of the fear that's been imposed on us.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, you got to have fear over faith. You got to understand that look, 10% are leaders in a good way, 10% are leaders in an evil way, 80% follow the 10% that seems to have the control at the time which seems to have the hearts and minds of the people. And we have literally transferred from great leaders uh, of the founding father era to leaders who have a, a different agenda in mind. It may be self-interest of money. It may be fame and fortune. It may be a power and control. It may, everyone is driven by different motivators. Uh, nevertheless, we have simply gravitated towards that 10% of leadership that is, that is perpetuating evil. And what we need to do is take a step back. We cannot exist as a country, as sovereign individuals, unless we honor the fundamental supports, if you will, the two pillars. That is religion and morality. Now, I'm not telling you here what religion to join. This is not a divide by theological discussion, but it is an understanding that you've got to turn to God. That's religious. You've got to live according to his laws to his eternal principles, that's morality. Uh, Without that, we cannot succeed. But if we understand who we are heritage wise, if we look at these two great pillars that all sovereigns need in order to carry out the proper role of limited constitutional moral government with checks and balances that maximize liberty, then the solution is to start from the ground up, the county level. The solution is to be self-governed in your life and to teach your family and your loved ones to do the same. We have a great leadership teacher role, if you will, uh, as well. As we set ourselves up as a light on a hill for the world, Uh, it starts in individuals. It starts with families. Look, family is the fundamental unit of society. And without that fundamental unit, society is destroyed. And our society is merely a mirror, a reflection of the strength in the family. Gerard? Yeah,
4: absolutely true. And what because we have uh, adopted unknowingly this business model for the United States, we have essentially abandoned the family unit. The family unit is not revered. Mothers, uh, the a most critical role um, in the household to nurture and protect and rear their children has been completely abandoned for the for the um, sake of momentary gain in the workplace so that you can have more cars and bigger houses and more clothes and more vacations, all at the cost and the suffering of the children. We essentially, I I coined a phrase, oh gosh, early on in in my first go around when I was doing this back in the 80s um, of adult children. Baby boomers, my generation, are the first generation of adult children on the planet. We never, and and this is obviously a, a generalization, but we, as a group, never really grew up. We like our toys, we like our, our, th- our uh, pleasures. And there's nothing in wrong with words, toys In other words, you're pleasures. the
1: first generation that focused on rights at the expense of responsibility, pretending that you can have one without the other. A fundamental faux pas in human logic and in reality.
4: Absolutely true. And, and how did it get started? This technological revolution did it. The technological revolution basically said we could have more for less.
1: Yeah, fake money did it. All kinds of things did it. This idea that politicians and the elite could live without consequences of their actions made society believe that they could somehow do the same. It was a fraud, folks. Gerard Cote with me. Sovereignhope.org. Final segment in seconds on your radio.
9: and have some kids
1: ladies and gentlemen when when mr. Gerard Cote emailed me and said Sam you missed the mark I was thinking hey I gotta defend this because you know what my point's valid he's agreeing that my point's valid he just merely is saying Sam you missed the opportunity to really articulate the term sovereignty, what it means, how it relates to us, how it relates to our God, our family, our country. Sovereignhope.org is his website, where he's got all kinds of articles and materials to help you understand these fundamental realities based upon uh, these principles, ladies and gentlemen, this principle of faith over fear, this leader-follower reality, this generational concern that, you know what, Um, as Even Ronald Reagan taught we can lose our liberty in one generation if we squander who we are, if we squander our responsibility, if we ignore uh, the fundamental need of society, which is the family. The solution is to start from the ground up. Cleanse the vessel individually. Turn to God and repent to teach your family to do the same. The country will only be a mere reflection of the strength of its families, ladies and gentlemen. And then on a country level... The solution is to start from the ground up at the county level. There's no doubt about all that, ladies and gentlemen. These principles are key to the preservation and restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. And it starts with learning who we really are. And then it starts with saying, I realize that I have an incredible legacy to live up to, Gerard.
4: Absolutely true, and if I may, I'd like to just expound just a little more uh, on what on the generational aspect before we went to break. Um, So, baby boomers, as adult children, passed on a legacy to their kids that um, externalizing our energies and ignoring family was an okay thing to do. So we so daycare became a big thing. Working mothers became the norm. And because no generation is born into or exists in a vacuum, we emulate what we see. So the uh, Gen Xers, uh, the baby boomers offspring, essentially watch their parents do this two-parent working uh, latchkey raised by television lifestyle. And without even knowing it, they tacitly agree to it and basically start doing it themselves. And fundamental in all that was our drift away from our spirituality and our religious practice. So the egoic mind essentially took over. The and, and this is the long view again. The the egoic mind took over, and you know the ego and the mind is a very potent energy. I mean, our brain consumes twenty five percent of our whole body energy. It's a voracious uh, entity, and it's always looking, always seeking, very curious. Well, when we don't balance that with spirituality, we get out of balance. So the technological revolution that we find ourselves in since the 60s has just fed the mind all this distraction. And then we create the millennials, our grandkids, my grandkids, the third generation in this loop, because there's always, and this is important to know, there's always three generations in play in in, in any given society throughout human history. The senior generation, the middle generation, and the young generation. And as the senior goes out, they just keep shifting and rolling over. It's like a baton pass, they just keep moving up. So the three that are in play right now, the, the baby boomers taught the Gen Xers this uh, externalized uh, business lifestyle. And the millennials that have shown up are completely immersed in it, and yet they're rejecting it. Where's that come from? I believe In I other words, we're rejecting
1: so- the consequences of our actions. We pretend there's no consequence. We pretend we can have rights and no responsibility. We pretend we can have our cake and eat it, too. We pretend we can burn the candle at both ends, and somehow we're going to be able to, on the other side, be just fine. It's a falsehood perpetuated by fraud to deceive this nation into giving up their birthright, if you will.
4: Uh, yes, the, the, the bowl of stew.
1: Absolutely right.
4: And what we don't understand is that this is the egoic mind run amok. This is a lack of of spiritual um, discipline that would cause us to balance ourselves and step back, take a deep breath and look and go, Ooh, you know, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't look right. And when we go inward instead of outward, when we internalize and get to our calm place, our prayerful place, and we look and seek, We know intuitively what's going on. And that is a still small voice. It cannot be heard in the chaos of crisis. And we have been constantly subjected to chaos and crisis to the place where we've lost our identity. We've lost our direction. It's no wonder we don't have moral leadership. So what we have to do is reground ourselves. We have to go back to basics and say, okay, who are we? And this is where the lineage of sovereignty really comes in. We have a strong, proud, unique heritage and lineage of sovereignty. And it's not about ultimate and overt control. It is about subjecting ourselves and understanding our place. Yet we have a responsibility. Another word that comes to mind when I say that is stewardship. We are stewards of the earth. We are here to be responsible for it. We have completely neglected that. The toxins, the poisons, the air is poisoned, the water is poisoned. Our bodies are being poisoned. Why? Capital gain. We've turned the United States into a business. This is not a home anymore. It's literally like every, every house should be turned into a business and you sleep upstairs and you work downstairs. It's crazy. It, it's absolutely insane what we've done.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Rights and responsibilities. All actions have consequences. And we've simply lost sight of who we are. We've lost sight of, you know what? You cannot have rights without responsibilities. You cannot have actions without consequences. Okay? And when we create fake money, for example, and then we just have government start to dole it out on the COVID, you know, hey, they took literally our whole businesses away. They shut down everything. And they said, but don't worry, we'll pay for everything. You don't have any responsibility. You don't have any consequences of doing that. The consequ- Okay, so we've been tricked into believing that you can do this forever, that somehow uh, you can have your cake and to eat it too. And this lie then has made us believe that government should just run itself. Gerard,
4: absolutely true. And and if we really need um, an awareness about this, a reflection of what's really going on, take a a moment and still yourself, and turn off the TV and the radio. Not during this program, but a little later, and get to a quiet place and listen inside in your your soul energy, your soul spirit, your your uh, uh, direction will give you the understanding that what's going on is not right. It's not beneficial. It's not healthy. It's not taking us to a better place. We are not becoming more unified. We are becoming more divided. Exclusivity is the word of the day. Inclusivity is completely foreign to people. We've gotten to the point where we lack trust within families, within communities, within uh, state governments. The trust is basically gone. And why? Because we don't enforce oaths. We have an oath to God. We have an oath to family. We have an oath to community. And we're not enforcing those. It would be very simple. People come up to me and say, well, what about term limits? I said, We have term limits. We've had them since the beginning of time, it, beginning of the United States time, if we just stand up and do our job. If we don't like what's going on, we have the complete authority as the sovereign owners to change it. But we've been lulled into believing we have no control, and that's a very dangerous place to be.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, whether you're a leader or a follower, depending on your circumstances in your business, you may be a leader. When it comes to government, you've elected somebody else to be your leader, and you've become a follower. But you are a sovereign owner, ladies and gentlemen, and even if you delegate someone to be a leader in your stead, you still have rights and authority to make decisions including your obligation to keep them on track and if they're off track if they're running amok if they're um literally the insane is running the asylum the tail wagging the dog whatever it be you need to resume ownership okay you've got to have faith over fear you've got to be a leader in that you even expect those leaders who you agree to follow by the consent of the governed idea, you must realize that they serve you, not the other way around. And that we, the people, ladies and gentlemen, need to understand this sacred core topic of sovereignty is vital. And because we've lost sight of it, we've lost sight of the reality, meaning the consequences. Look, you cannot ignore all this. What if the current takers, caretakers of the greatest experiment known as the United States of America realized their sovereignty and insisted that those whom we elect, those servants, serve us according to the contract? Ladies and gentlemen, it's a unique management system, and it only functions in an atmosphere of trust in God and in each other. You cannot jettison this. This great deprivation experiment uh, ladies and gentlemen has in my opinion to some degree rotted our brains to where we believe that we can solve anything in a 30 second TV com- or a 30 minute TV show. The solution is to start from the ground up to start with your core to realize you've got to have religious and moral pillars. all right You got to start at the county level when it comes to government. We have got to realize that rights and responsibilities go together. All actions have consequences. We have been deceived into believing that government can run itself. It's a lie. So, ladies and gentlemen, I submit uh, that, you know what, Gerard is right. I didn't misspeak in the interview with Dr. Bradley, but I didn't cover this as it deserves to be covered. I didn't give it the real treatment that Gerard wanted to see. He's right on that. And so we're here to do it today. Uh, final seg- final minutes, what have we left out Gerard, that you want to really highlight?
4: Okay, thank you for that summation, uh, and I appreciate your your passion and your focus as well. I, I, one of the things I have on my website, I have a, a, a call to action called Fence Menders, and the simple analogy I use is think of the Constitution as a fence, and those that we elect to uh, office to manage the country for us are put inside that fence. And any time that they stray outside the fence, they are violating their oath. And the accountability needs to come with holding them accountable to their oaths. So I, I would encourage people to go and look at that call to action. I try to spell out and lay out exactly how we've uh, digressed and, and how it's damaged us. And a lot of things you're cover- you've mentioned are absolutely all critical to that. So, again, I thank you for your focus and your attention. And I would uh, love to continue this discussion as we go on.
1: I hope, sir, we've given it a fair um, vetting. Uh, You mentioned that, hey, Sam, you know what? You missed an opportunity. And I think you're absolutely right. Uh, The problem is that, you know, how do you make a point sometimes and give it? uh, Sometimes some of these things are very weighty matters. How do you give the weighty matters the greater things they're doing sometimes? Uh, In a limited time scenario... If you're trying to make a certain point, it's very hard sometimes uh, to do it justice. So thank you for your willingness and for the opportunity. This is where citizen Involvement makes Liberty Roundtable Live one of the greatest shows on earth. It doesn't all come from me, folks. It's the roundtable. We all come together, and we really uh, create the greatest brain trust the planet's ever known as we all work together and have trust in one another to bring about God, family, and country and protect life, liberty and and property. Gerard Cote, thank you for your time, sir.
4: Thank you uh, so much. Sam, be well.
1: You're very welcome, sir. His website sovereignhope.org ladies and gentlemen, for Gerard Cote and Sam Bushman. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America.